morning, everyone. Good out of Shabbos. Hope you have a wonderful day. Continue. We left off. Tenth chapter of Yivamas Yishad Abba, page ninety-four B, the third line from the bottom. The Mishnah says that if a person marries his wife's sister after hearing that his wife died, and then it turns out she's alive, so he can he can go back to his wife. His wife can go back. To why could they go back together since he lived with his sister? He should be prohibited from his wife. Just like you say, that if a person hears that his wife died, I'm, I'm sorry, the woman hears that her husband dies, and she marries, remarries, and then her husband walks in the door. <laughs> So what do we say? Yes, she has to leave both of them. She's no longer allowed to live with the second husband. Even the first husband, she can no longer live. Even though it wasn't a fault. It was, you know, but nevertheless, you say you can. So why the difference between the two? The mission says, if it was based on one testimony, the testimony of one witness, the severe consequences. Therefore, she's not allowed to live with her husband. So you might have said, how could you compare the two cases? Ishta, his wife, the amazing. If she committed adultery intentionally, she would be prohibited from living with her husband. So, therefore, the rabbis were strict, even though it was a mistake. It was based on, on, the, on, the, one, on the one witness, one testimony. But we continue in 95a. With the case of the sister of the wife, the amazing. What if the husband went and had an affair? With his sister-in-law, with his wife's sister. Is he allowed to live with his wife? Yes, he, he committed a crime and it's prohibited. It's illicit, but nevertheless, it doesn't, it doesn't stop him from... If his wife will have him, it doesn't stop him from living with his wife. Biblically, he can live with his wife, continue living with his wife. So therefore, Maybe he should drink the water. The, the rabbis are not making a decree. Uh, Nolan, how do we talk at the last How do we know that, that, that he's not prohibited from living? Maybe if he, if he slept with the sister, he should not be allowed to go back to the sister, his wife. says, A man will lay with her. That her lying with a man prohibits her. It says in this week's parsha, the parsha of the Saita, if a man will lay with a wife and she can seclude herself, so it says, it's her lying with a man that prohibits her from being with her husband. But if her sister lied with a man, if her sister lied, went to bed, had an affair with her husband, it does not prohibit her from living with her husband. She can continue living with her husband. It's only when she has an affair, not if someone else has an affair. If her sister had an affair with her husband, she's still allowed to live with her husband. Really, the Taylor should have said, If a man slept with her, what do you mean, Oysa? It's not the correct word to use here. So it comes to teach us, it comes to teach us with her, 
Isa comes to teach us, it comes to exclude that only in this case, if she commits adultery willingly, then she's not allowed to live with her husband. But if a sister commits an immoral act and, and sleeps with her husband, has an affair with her husband, she's allowed to live with her husband. Did not, even in, ca- in the case of unintentional, the rabbis did not prohibit the husband and the wife from going back together. Why do you need a Why do you need a pasuk? I would think well, it's a it's logically compelling. If we're a person has relations with a woman, and it's only a lenient prohibition, why Why is a adultery a lenient prohibition? Punishable by death. Why is it called lenient? Lenient. The relationship is lenient. In other words. She's not allowed to have relations as long as she's married. Once he divorces her, she's free. Versus a sister remains prohibited even after he divorces his wife, the sister. As long as his wife, his ex-wife is alive, the sister remains prohibited. For him. So that's why it's called that's what's called the stricter prohibition. So in the case of a lenient prohibition, which the prohibition only exists while they're married. The one who causes her prohibition, he himself becomes prohibited. He caused her to be prohibited to this to the to the adulterer. Because he's married to her. And therefore when and then when she had relations, he becomes prohibited. He's not allowed to live with her. That's what it says in the site, and if he's part he's not allowed to live with her. Case of which is included, we don't know what happened. He's also not allowed to live with her until she clarifies with the holy water, special water. So, how much more so logically, I would argue, it's a compelling, compelling argument. I would say, case of a sister in law, which is stricter, because even, even after he divorces his wife, his ex wife, as long as his ex wife is alive, he's prohibited from being with his sister, being with his sister. Surely, and what made her, what made the sister-in-law prohibited? Because he married the sister, so surely he should be prohibited from living, from reuniting with his wife with the sister. So it should be biblically prohibited. That's why the Torah says, "Teach me, I saw." No, in this case, it's allowed. So since even if it's intentional, the Torah teaches him he's allowed to live with his wife. Therefore, in this case, which is unintentional, the rabbis are not prohibited from going back, from them getting back together. If someone had relations with his mother-in-law, he cannot remain married yes, with his wife. With, with. Learn later on, where did he learn this from? If the husband had relations with the mother-in-law, he can no longer go back to the daughter or to his wife. What are they arguing? What are Bishamisil arguing? If someone has relations with his sister in law, his wife's sister. So Bishamisil says he's not allowed to go back with his wife. If he did it intentionally, he's not allowed to go back with his wife. Bishamisil says he could go back to his wife. Agree with the Oisa. He holds a Kavachimer. That if, in the case of a married woman, which is lenient because he only prohibited her while he's married to her. 
But after he divorces her, she's free to, to marry anyone. And there the Torah says if you do it intentionally. If she has relations intentionally, she commits adultery. The husband is never allowed to live with her. How much more so in the most strict case? In the case of a sister, we marry the sister and then the sister um, becomes prohibited to him. As long as his wife is alive, even after he divorces her, even after she's his ex-wife. So how much more so that if you do it intentionally, you're not allowed to live with your wife. That's a Bishami's opinion. And Bishil says, no, yes, it's logically compelling. We have the Pasuk Oysa that teaches it's not so. Um, Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi said, he disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda. Everyone agrees, even Shammai agrees with Oysa. That there's no prohibition if he had relations with the sister, he's allowed to go back to his wife. What are they arguing? They're arguing the case of the mother-in-law. Once he has intimate relations, he had an affair with his mother-in-law, he's never allowed to go back to his wife. We'll see soon, the mother will say why. Basil Emerson says, No, it does not disqualify him. He can go back. What's our BAC's reasoning? Before a couple is married, he can marry any woman. And she's also, she can marry any man. Kitra, when he marries her, who he prohibits her from marrying anyone else. And she causes him to be prohibited to some other woman. Not to everyone, some of them. The moment you marry a woman, you become prohibited. A mother, daughter, granddaughter, sister, you know, you become prohibited. So she prohibits him, and he prohibits her. However, the the women, the men that he prohibits her is many more than the women that she prohibits him, because he can marry more than one wife. So she only prohibits him from from their close relatives, immediate relatives, but he prohibits her from marrying any man. Mm-hmm. He prohibits her from any man. He can't be married to two men. She only prohibits him only for the, her immediate relatives. So therefore, therefore, we have a logically compelling argument. Uh, he who prohibits her from marrying any man in the world. If she by mistake had had uh, intimate was intimate. She committed adultery, but it was a mistake. It wasn't intentional. She's allowed to continue living with her husband. The Torah only Torah says when she wasn't, it was her fault. He did it deliberately and consciously. Not if she was raped or it was a mistake. Then there's no prohibition. Then she can go back to her husband. So he, how much more so? He, her, who only prohibits him, only his immediate relatives. So surely we should say that that if he made a mistake, if he was intimate by mistake with a woman that's prohibited to him, one of his wife's relatives, say the mother-in-law, surely he doesn't become prohibited to the woman, to the woman who's, that's permitted to him, his wife.
That's true by a shaygeg. Okay, so we know we have a logically compelling argument that a shaygeg. And in the case of adultery, according to Rabbi Yaisi, a case of adultery is stricter than the case of him sleeping with a sister or mother-in-law because she, he prohibits her to everyone. She only prohibits him to her immediate relative. Right. Previously, the Gemara said the exact opposite. He called the adultery lenient and the sister strict and the mother-in-law strict because the prohibition is even after the divorce. Okay, so it's a different, a different, uh, a different way of looking at it. He considers adultery strict. Previously, the Gemara said adultery is lenient. Okay, so we have to figure that out. But, um, but he says, okay, but this is only this logically compelling argument only explains the shaking. Rabbi Yesi is even talking about intentional. He says, even if you intentionally, deliberately had an affair with a mother-in-law, with a sister, you can, you can, you can, you can live with a sister, with a sister-in-law, his wife's sister, you can go back to your wife. Where do we know this from? It says, from the Even though here we don't have a logically compelling argument, on the contrary, we have an argument that we said earlier. That uh, in the case of adultery, which is lenient, you're not allowed. To, she's not allowed. To, if she does it intentionally, if she commits adultery intentionally, she's not allowed to go back to her husband. How much more so in the case of a, of, a, of the sister, which is which is stricter. If the husband deliberately has an affair with the sister. He should not be allowed to go back to his wife. So Pazik says, I saw her only in this case if she sleeps, she commits adultery. Only then is she prohibited to her husband, and not and not the reverse. So that's the case of a sister-in-law. Why in the case of the mother-in-law is it different? Why is the mother-in-law different? Okay, so I guess the mother will explain that. Explaining the reasons of Rabbi Hood and the reasons of Rabbi Yehud. My time at the Rabbi Yehud. What's the reason of Rabbi Yehud? The Rabbi Hood. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Yehud? In the Pasuk, Be'esh Yisrefu Oisev That if a person has relations, with his mother-in-law, so they put to death by fire. You pour hot lead down the throat, and that's the, the mother-in-law and the son-in-law. What do you mean? You burn down the whole house? The wife didn't sin. What do you mean, S-N in the plural? Why are you, why are you, why are you punishing the wife? She was a good wife. The husband had an affair with, with her mother. The first marriage is good. Does it say S-hen? They are punished. Both women are punished. So many English say, if you can't say the Torah means that you put her to death, you have to say, the Pasuk is saying that they, that the wife, the penalty is the wife, your wife becomes prohibited. You must divorce your wife. You can't no longer live with her. Affected by the transgressions. He's a victim, but she's affected by the transgressions. Because the husband had an affair with her mother, she, he can no longer she can no longer live with her husband. This is according to Rabbi Huda. Everyone holds according to Bishama, According to Rabbi Yaisi, only this is the only opinion of Bishama. What would Bishilul say? How would Bishilul interpret Essen? So we learned we learned yesterday. Bishilul learned that uh, we learned like Rabbi Kiva. Essen comes to teach me that when do you have the and that's the halacha by the way. When do you have the penalty of death? When do you have the penalty of death by court? They weigh fire, pouring hot lead on the throat. It's only when both of them are alive. If the wife is alive, if the daughter is alive, and he had relations with the mother-in-law, while the daughter is alive, then you put the mother-in-law to death and the husband to death. But 
if she, she died, even though the mother-in-law has prohibited him even after his wife's death, if ever, she remains never allowed to marry or have relations with her. If he has relations with her, then you don't have the death penalty of, of slave. So that's why, according to Rabbi Yaisi, according to Basilu, disagrees, who says, that's not what the Pasuk is coming to teach me. And if a person has deliberately, uh, Samuel has deliberate relations and affair with his mother, well, he could still live with his wife. That's how Basil would learn according to Rabbi Yesi. According to Rabbi Yehuda, both Bisham and Basil will agree that in the case of the mother, if you had a relation, if the son-in-law had a relation, deliberately had a relationship and a fear with the mother-in-law, he's not allowed to go back to his wife. Because of a reason we just said here, Eshen means that comes to teach us, not that you punish her to death, why should be punished to death for the sins of her mother and her husband, but it means that she's prohibited. If she's affected by that, by that affair, he, he can no longer go back there. She can no longer go back to her husband. But Shmuel, we the name of Shmuel, the law does not follow Rabbi Yehud. The law follows Rabbi Yehud. Of course, we follow Beis Hillel. That in the case of the mother-in-law, you could, you could live. The wife could go back to her husband if the husband had a deliberate affair. With, the mother-in-law, with his mother-in-law, he can continue living with his wife. And of course, also follows Basila that if you had an affair with a sister-in-law, you could go back to your wife. That's the Allah. It was a person who committed the sin with his mother-in-law. came and gave him lashes. Biblically, if you have an affair with your mother-in-law, you put to death. Why did Rabbi Huda give him lashes instead of putting him to death? Well, maybe he wasn't worn properly, or the courts no longer, in times of Rabbi Huda, they no longer administered the death penalty. So therefore, since they couldn't punish him, give him his biblical punishment, the rabbis have a right to punish him, to give him the, their own punishment. And they, and they flogged him. They gave him pets. It's from a Jewish city. Amalei, Rabbi Huda said to the person, If Shmuel would not say that the law follows Rabbi Yehuda, I would have prohibited you forever. Because according, uh, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda holds that both Bishama and Basil will agree that if you have relations with a mother-in-law, you're prohibited from marrying, from living with your wife. Here, but since Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel, since Shmuel said, the law does not follow Rabbi Huda. Yeah. Rabbi Huda the Amoida is saying in the name of Shmuel that the law does not follow the law of Rabbi Huda the Tanna. So therefore Rabbi Huda told him, therefore I flogged you, but I'm, I'm not prohibiting you from your wife. I'm going to beat you and now you can go back home. And your wife can nurse you back to health. But <laughs> my Yisrael, what do you mean? why do you call, you said earlier, that if not for the Pasuk Oysa, I would logically say that if, if a wife commits adultery, she's prohibited to her husband, not much more so. In the, more stri- in the stricter case, and if the husband has an affair with his wife's sister, he should be prohibited from going back to his wife. Why do you call, why do you call uh, adultery a, a lenient prohibition? Because Mishanisis. He says, right, if you, ma- if you divorced your wife and then she married someone else and then you remarry her, you violate a prohibition. So, so that's a lenient prohibition.
Because, because there's no punishment. There's no punishment by death or kares. It's just a prohibition. Versus a sister, it's prohibited. It's kares. Right. Okay. So, when the second husband had relations with her, he caused it to be prohibited to the first husband. Right, right, right. When the first husband then has relations with her, afterwards, after she married, she, re- she remarried to someone else. Now he caused her to be prohibited to the second husband. She divorced her, not relationship, she married this first husband. She remarried the first husband. Now, if she didn't remarry the first husband, the second husband who divorced her could have taken her back. Right, right. Right, there's no one in between. But then she remarried against the law, but she remarried the first husband. So she can no longer go back to the second husband. Okay. Ma'ala ma'asigirushos emishonisus. Oh, one second, one second. It was as follows. In that case, in that case, where the second husband prohibited her from going back to the first husband, by marrying the second husband, she becomes a first husband. And then when the second husband marries, and the first husband remarries her against, against the Torah, against the law, but now she becomes prohibited to the one who prohibited him. <laughs> she becomes prohibited to the second husband. So how much more so? So how much more so in the case of a sister? How much more so in the case of a sister? That the one who causes her... Pro- and here it's a, it's a sister's, it's a question of death. You get cut off. Your life gets cut off. Hashem. So how much more so... That the one who prohibited, the one who prohibited by marrying the sister, by marrying the wife, the sister, he prohibits the sister. So how much more so that he should become, he should become prohibited himself. If he has relations with his sister, he should become prohibited from, mar- from living with his wife. Just like over there, the husband who prohibits the first husband, the second husband prohibits the first husband. So he now becomes prohibited. So the wife who prohibits, prohibits the sister, prohibits the husband to marry the sister. Surely she should become prohibited when when the husband had a relation with the wife. That's the kavuchaim. So you might ask, wait a minute, I can I can refute the kavuchaim. Malam How could you compare the two? There she can my goof. The woman's body is defiled. Self became defiled. And a prohibition could be affected by many men. Anyone who marries her will prohibit her to her husband. Since she's personally involved in the sin, that's why the Torah says that the husband, the second husband, now becomes prohibited to her. Prohibition is forever. You never, once she's married, the husband can never marry her again. And the second husband now can never remarry her once she's married again to the first husband. But how could you compare that to our case? Our case is none of the above. Once the wife dies, she, he, the husband couldn't marry the sister. The only one who can prohibit him is only by one man, by one, it's not by many men. Husbands, he's the only one, one man, he's the only one who can prohibit Prohibit 
in, in marrying the sister. The prohibition on the sister is only by the sister marrying one person, not by marrying anyone. The wife didn't do anything wrong. Why, why, why should the wife be punished? He had an affair with the sister. Why are you, why are you, why are you letting it out on the wife that he can't live with her? Why, what, why is she... You can't compare. There, she had relations with both husbands. Therefore, she becomes prohibited. Rather, Amadeus says, Yevama. We're talking about lenient. We're talking about a Yevama. A brother. A sister. What do you mean? If you mean, if she had... She married someone else. The Tata says you're not allowed to marry a stranger until you, you have to continue the first marriage, marry the brother. But she went ahead and married a stranger. Once she, once she married, once she has relationships with anyone, another man, it's like adultery. Now she becomes prohibited from doing yibum with her brother-in-law. Because it's like she's in the middle of a marriage. She's carrying on and continuing her dead husband's marriage. The dark childless. And, and so therefore, it's like, it's like adultery. So that's the Kavachim. Here, it's just the prohibition, right? There's no death sentence involved. There's no death penalty involved. Not even in the hands of heaven. If she goes and has a relationship with her while she's waiting for Yibum, her husband died, she's a widow, she's waiting, she wasn't yet, didn't do the Yibum, there's only a prohibition. And nevertheless, we say that she becomes prohibited. She becomes prohibited to her husband. So therefore, therefore, that's a, that's a good kal v'chaymer. That there, it's an ishal kal. So the one who causes a prohibition becomes prohibited. The, the brother-in-law. He causes her the prohibition. There's no brother-in-law. She's free to marry anyone. He causes a prohibition, and now when she commits, a, she has a relate an affair. He becomes prohibited to her. How much more so in the case of a sister, which is a, which is Yisakarit? How much more so? It's a stricter, more severe uh, prohibition. How much more so that the one who prohibits her, who caused the prohibition? That was the why the man's the man's wife. He, she should surely become prohibited to her husband. Sigmarah says, "No, I can refute that. All refuted. The same thing. She herself became defiled. She had a relationship with him. But in the case of a sister, she didn't do anything. It was the husband who had an affair with his, with her sister. So why should she be prohibited? And also, she's prohibited by many men. Any man she sleeps with." Will prohibit her from from uh, from marrying the, the from doing yibum. In the case of Ivama, she's prohibited to all men until she, until the brother-in-law does a chalitza. But the sister, however, of the wife, is only prohibited to the husband. She's allowed to all men. So therefore, maybe I would say by Ivama since. She's prohibited to all men. That's why, if she sleeps around, she now becomes prohibited to the brother-in-law. But in the case of here, in the case of the sister, which she's allowed to all men, is only prohibited to the husband. So even if the husband has an affair with her, he should still be allowed to go back to his wife. Ella, rather, what's the kavachem? someone. 
who had an affair with one of the brothers. Brother, no. So one of them did a maimer, one of them made a kedushin, and therefore, rabbinically, she's not allowed to be with any of the other brothers. And then she went ahead and had an affair with one of the other brothers. So, yes, yeah, so, when one of the brothers performed the maimer, he caused her to become prohibited to the other brothers. One of the other brothers were prohibited. Now, had a relation with her, he caused it to be biblical, even to the first one. Because biblically, betrothal doesn't do anything. It's not effective with the, with the, in this case. Of the, the husband died childless, the, in the case of the Yavama. So therefore, it's the second brother who actually acquires her. Once the second brother acquires her, she becomes prohibited to the first one. And if the first brother who, who prohibited the second brother in the first place, right, yeah. now he becomes prohibited to her. So in the case of the sisters, which is much stricter, how much more so that the, the one who prohibits, who prohibited the husband to, to be with the, the sister, his wife? So how much more so that she should become prohibited to him? So the mother says, Ma'iri. Why does he have to say that the second brother had relations with her? Even if the second brother just made a mimer with her, he would still be prohibited. Because if he makes a mimer, one mimer is just as effective as the other. The whole thing is rabbinic. So if one brother makes a mimer and the second brother makes a mimer, she becomes prohibited to both of them. Talking about this case, because the Bryce is saying that if he was intimate with her, that if he was intimate with a woman who made the prohibition, we're talking about intimacy. So that's not where we learn the Kabbal Chaim from. So you must know, holy kasha. That, that's not that. That's not a question. Because I'm Gamliel, because this Bryce can follow the opinion. I'm Gamliel. I'm an Eimai Merachem Maimer. I'm Gamliel. Hold. Uh, one maimer you can't do it was not effective. Once one of the brothers gave a maimer, the other maimer is discounted. So therefore, he wouldn't, she would not be prohibited from uh, being intimate and doing a yibum with the with the first brother who gave her the maimer. So that's what he says. If he was intimate with her, so since a maimer is only rabbinic, if the second brother is intimate with her, that's effective biblically. Now she becomes prohibited to both of them. But the mother asked, "I feel nothing like that. I feel a chalutzla." Even if he gave her a get, even if he does a chalitza, he would also be prohibited to her. Gamliel agrees. He says there's no maimed after maimed, but if he do something else, if he gives her a get, if the second brother gives her a divorce or he does a chalitza, now she becomes prohibited to both. And yet the Brais only talks about intimacy, so that, that can't be the kavachim. Ella rather, Rabbi Yechanan said, and he says that he's talking about. He's talking about Saita, he's talking about adultery. Okay, let's see. Saita Laman. Whom did she trans- transgress? He referred to her as a lenient, lenient prohibition. Adultery is not a lenient prohibition. If you say, you're referring to a Saita who cohabited with her husband after she secluded herself, and the Peter says she's not allowed to live with her until she drinks the water. And he called that a lenient because there's no death penalty involved for the husband by being intimate with his wife after she, she we suspected we suspected of adultery. Bala, bal, the boil. 
Because when the husband uh, is lived with her, now he's 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 prohibited her to the adulterer. Words once, once he once she he slept with her. After she became a site, she can no longer drink the water. So there's no way to prove her innocence or. So he caused her to be prohibited to the adulterer. If he wouldn't sleep with her after she became a site, she had the possibility of drinking the water and establishing her innocence. Then, if she's innocent, then when the husband dies, she could have lived with the suspicious adulterer because it turns out they never committed adultery. They just were alone in the room together. That, that doesn't stop him from marrying. But now, he, by sleeping with her, after she became a site, before she drank the water, and now she can no longer drink the water, he caused her to be prohibited to the adulterer forever. So, there, so if there, now that he, he is the one who prohibited, he is the one who prohibited the Isa. He becomes prohibited to his wife. So how much more so? How much more so in the case of the sister, which is stricter because it's cutters and Near by the site, it's only a prohibition. But here, sleeping with a sister, your wife's sister, is cutters. So the one who prohibits the wife by marrying the wife and become prohibited to the sister, surely she should become prohibited if you have relations with the sister. You have an affair with the sister. But the Gemara says, my yidi, and why does the Baraisa say? He slept with her, I feel nothing like that. He gives her a get. I feel like I'm in It's up to him. I don't want her to drink the water. And then, then she can no longer ever be with the adulterer because he can never clarify his status. She can't drink the water. Once he gives her a get, it's all over. So there's always a suspicion. Maybe they committed adultery and therefore she can never ever marry. So he prohibits her. Why does it say that he slept with her? So obviously, that's not the Kavuchem. Ella rather, Saita Lebayel. The Kavuchem is Lebayel. The adulterer. So she became prohibited to the one who caused her initial prohibition, the husband, other, the one who prohibited her from committing adultery, from sleeping with another man. Now, if she commits adultery, she becomes prohibited to her husband. And he calls it a light, he calls it a lenient. Because because the prohibition is not forever, only as long as the husband is alive. How much more so in the case of... Oh, so your mother says, Why do you call it a... Why do you call it a lenient, uh, lenient prohibition? How much more so in the case of the sister, the wife that prohibits the husband to the sister? Surely, when the husband has an affair with the sister, she should become. Why do you call that a stricter? What do you mean? It's, it's death. You get choked to death. What do you mean? With a sister, it's only cutters in the hands of heaven. Here, it's a capital punishment. So, how could you say, call adultery a lenient, more lenient? Elam Rabbi rather rather Rabbi says Eishesi. Pretty much the most one of the most severe ones of all. No, it's Eishesi. We boiled it down to that's the only explanation of the mission. I asking that my kadele yisukal. Why do you call it a lenient prohibition? The husband who prohibits her doesn't prohibit her for the rest of her life. Only as long as they marry. The moment he dies, he gives her the divorce. She's free. Versus the case of the sister. Once you marry a sister, then the sister, the sister-in-law becomes prohibited as, even after the divorce. 
Even the ex-wife's sister remains prohibited as long as she's alive. The one who prohibits her, the husband, becomes prohibited to her. In the case of adultery, when the wife commits adultery, deliberately commits adultery, and even though it's only a lenient, why is it called lenient? Because her husband only prohibits her while he's her husband, while they're married. If he divorces her, she's allowed. Yeah. In a case where he has an affair, in a case of chamber, it's a stricter problem. Why is it a stricter prohibition? The wife who prohibits, by marrying the wife, he becomes prohibited to the wife's sister. That prohibition is forever, even after he divorces his wife. Even the marriage is no longer is over. Forever until until she dies. And the din isn't it logically compelling? Surely, the one who prohibits him, the wife should become prohibited. That's what it says by Saita. But only she's prohibited only by adultery, only in the case of adultery, not in the case of a sister. The mission says Rabbi Yisi, Amen. Rabbi Yisi says, Kol and only when he becomes disqualified, only is the other one disqualified. The rabbis say that if he married the sister, thinking that the wife, he was told that the wife is dead, and he married the sister, then she shows up. So then he can go back to his wife. Nabiesi said only that's only true if he did not disqualify if he disqualified others and he himself becomes disqualified if he did not disqualify others then he can go back to his wife what does he mean? it's very cryptic what does he mean? my comment Nabiesi what's Nabiesi saying? if you're going to say say <coughs> if the husband and her brother-in-law the sister's wife the sister's husband his wife and her and the wife's sister's husband they went they traveled overseas together his brother-in-law's wife his sister's forbidden to the brother Divorces. the Sharia, but his own wife is permitted to Words by him marrying the sister, he 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 he, made, he had two problems. Firstly, it's his sister-in-law; his wife is still alive, but she's a married woman. <laughs> her husband is still. Turns out, her husband is still alive. And is she allowed to go back to her husband? We said no. If you base it on one with one testimony, one witness, and she married. She was a married woman. How do you marry someone else? Based on witness, if the husband shows up, you have to leave your husband. So she's leaving her husband. She's punished. She has to leave her husband. And the brother-in-law can go back to his wife. So the rabbi's home. He comes along Rabbi Yaisi and says, No, I'm Rabbi Yaisi. No, okay. So if you're going to say Rabbi Yaisi is saying, that since he's allowed to go back to his wife, she's in that case she's also allowed to go back to her husband. Yeah, if that's what he's saying, he should have said that if 
anyone who does not disqualify others does not disqualify himself. They, whoever does not disqualify others does not disqualify himself. He should have said, that just like he doesn't disqualify himself, he can go back to his wife, his sister. So too, he doesn't disqualify her. She can go back to her husband. Bella, rather, is the opposite. Just like, just like the brother-in-law's wife cannot go back to her husband, the sister can't go back to her husband because she committed adultery, it was unintentional, but she committed adultery. She thought she's no longer married, she thought her sister is dead. But it turns out her sister is alive and her husband is alive. So she committed the top of being, uh, having relations with the brother-in-law, the fear of the brother-in-law. She also, she also uh, committed adultery, so therefore she can't go back to her husband. So in that case also, you prohibited her, she can't go back to her husband, you can't go back to her. Unless she was single, that's what I mean. If she was single and you didn't prohibit her, then you can go back to your wife. If she was married and she can't go back to her husband, then you can't go back to your wife. So the good mother asks, okay, so how it makes sense, this part, the first part, however, since you disqualify her, she's disqualified from going back to her husband, the sister, because she committed adultery. So then, in that case, the, hu- the husband is also disqualified from going back to his wife, the sister. But what's the second clause? If he doesn't disqualify others, then he's not. Then he could go back to his wife. So we're talking about a case where there are others. We can't be talking about a single, with a sister is single, and then there's no others. Of course, if the sister is single, he can go back to his wife. But that's not what Rabbi is saying. What is saying? In a case where he does not disqualify others, it means there are others. What other others could there be besides being married to a husband, to a brother? So, what, what's he talking about? So, Rabbi says the second part of that nation. This is going back to the earlier, in the, in the beginning of the mission. It if she married according to the Bezdin, if she remarried and the court told her she could marry based on one single witness testimonies and the husband returns, yeah, she can't live with the husband. But the Bezdin relied on her research and obviously she did not do her research, investigative research. But nevertheless, she's exempt, she doesn't have to bring a sin offering. Because she she followed the ruling of the court. But what if I'll pay them? But if she follows two witnesses, Pesach, she also has to go out. Also, yes, she relied on two witnesses, but she should have done her research. I can't say she, it's, a, it's an accident. It's, yeah, the testimony of two witnesses, but she still should have done her research to verify it's 100% true. So therefore, she has to leave her husband, her husband shows up. And she's obligated to bring a sacrifice. But if there were two witnesses. Oh, so what do we see? The But if she followed the ruling of the court, even if one witness is exempt from the court, that's the power of a bezin. That if you follow the ruling, you're exempt from a court. You can understand what Rabbi Yaisi is saying. Tanakamas says the first opinion of the Mishnah. It makes no difference whether the sister remarried based on the with testimony of two witnesses. The age is Gisei Shariah. 
In that case, the brother, uh, the brother-in-law's wife, could remain with her husband. Or she remarried with a court sanction based on one witness. In which case, the the brother-in-law's wife is prohibited. In the case of if there's two witnesses. No, if there's one witness in Bezdin, so then the wife, the sister can go back to her husband, even though she committed adultery. If there's two witnesses, whenever there's two witnesses, she's allowed to go back to her husband, who is a minor. She still has to bring a carbon. So she should have examined if it wasn't according to the Bezdin. He should have examined. But since it was two witnesses, and the Torah says you believe two witnesses, so therefore she, she has to bring a Even without the court sanction, she may have to bring a carbon, but she can go back to her husband. But if it was one witness with the court sanction, she doesn't have to bring a carbon, but she's not allowed to live with her husband. Right, didn't do, didn't do a research. So the Tanakhama says, is that either case, either case, it's talking about two cases, whether it was two witnesses or whether it was one witness with the sanction of the court, either case, the, the, uh, the husband can go back to his wife. Even in the case where it was one witness with his sister who he had an affair with, who he married, didn't have an affair, he thought that he married her, legit, he thought he's marrying her legitimately, but she can't go back to her husband because it was adultery. So not only in the case where there were two witnesses, when she's allowed to go back to her husband, so then it makes sense he can go back to, he can go back to his wife. But even in the case where by, by marrying the sister, now she became prohibited because only based on one witness she became prohibited from marrying, going back to her husband. So she, nevertheless, he can go back to his wife. And that's and there Rabbi Yaisi disagrees. That's what Rabbi Yaisi qualifies. He makes two statements. He says there's a difference. In a case where where she married, even though she was a married woman, the sister, how could she marry a brother-in-law? She was a married woman because it was based on one witness and the sanction of the court, and based on that testimony, she married her brother-in-law, her sister's husband. And then her husband shows up and she has to leave, leave her husband. So she, she becomes prohibited for her husband. Rabbi Yaisi argues he becomes prohibited to his wife. But in the case, but if it's the case of two witnesses, when she's allowed to marry, to go back to her husband, then he can go back to his wife. Ain't the person that hate him, ain't the person that Rabbi gives a different explanation. Loyalum really are safe. No, he's going at the end. He's making a distinction. One, he only betrothed his wife, and then she went on a trip with the brother-in-law, with her brother-in-law, with her, 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 her sister's husband. In the other cases, he married the wife, and then she went on a trip with the brother-in-law. What's the difference? Doesn't matter. In both cases, the brother-in-law is allowed to remain with the husband. I'm sorry. In both cases, in both cases, the brother-in-law's wife is prohibited. 
but the wife is allowed to remain matter. She is not allowed to go back to her husband. She committed adultery. Yeah, un- unwittingly, but she committed adultery. So she's not allowed to go back to her husband. But the husband is allowed to go back to his wife. Come later, makes a distinction. He argues, he says, no, in the case of his wife and, and the brother-in-law went overseas, he can't say it was a condition in the marriage. He was surely married. They in the place of the and therefore he does not disqualify others. In the place of the Yachme, he does not become disqualified. It's like Nafcha saying that according to Rabbi Yossi, till now we learned, why did the rabbi say that if you marry a married woman, who remarries based on the testimony of one witness and the court sanction. Why do we say that she's prohibited to her husband? Because she had to do her research. She had to do an investigation. The court relied on her and she didn't. The husband shows up. And therefore we punish her. She's not to go back to her husband. Rabbi Yeshe disagrees with the whole reason. He says, no, that's not the reason. The reason you're not allowed to. The rabbi say you're not allowed to go back to your husband. Is because people will assume that the marriage, the first marriage is not a marriage. Why are you marrying, you're a married woman. Why are you marrying a stranger? We don't know that he's dead. One of the witnesses not But you're a married woman. So we'll say, you know what, the court probably decided that the first marriage is not a marriage. It was made in the condition. The condition was never met, so it's not a marriage. So therefore, Therefore, we allowed her to marry, marry because it's not, she's not a, it's not adultery, because she's not married, she's not a married woman, she's single. So she married the second guy. Now the husband comes back, if you want him to return, if you want him to return, people will assume that the first marriage ended in divorce. He divorced her. Before he left town, he divorced her. Before she left town, he divorced her. And therefore, she, he, he remarried. Therefore, he got married. And, 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 and therefore, they allowed her to get married. She has a divorce. Then when the husband shows up, if she's going to go back to the husband, it's like a divorcee who marries someone else. He's not allowed to go back to the husband. That's why the rabbi said he can't go back. Not we're punishing her because she didn't do her research. Because the appearance, and it appears to be, people will assume probably she got a divorce and she remarried. That's fine. But now you can't go back to the first husband after you marry someone else. In the, that, but that only applies in the case if she was married. In the case where it was a kedushin, was only a, was only a betrothal, you can say it was never a marriage. Maybe it was a condition. Why did they allow her to go back to the first husband? Because it's not her first husband. She was never married to him. There was something wrong with the marriage in the first place. So the second husband is not the second husband. That is her first husband. And he's leaving him. He got a divorce from him. And she's going. To, she's marrying someone else. This is, this. So therefore, in that case, we would allow her to get married. So the Tanakhama says the reason is because of she did a research. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she was betrothed, if she was married. If she marries someone else based on the, the court sanction, based on a witness, and the husband shows up, she can't live with either of them. It's a punishment. But according to the reasoning of Rabbi Yaisi, according to the reasoning of Rabbi Yaisi, the reason is because people are going to think 
So in the case of of a Edison, there's no reason for her not to go back to her husband. Why shouldn't she go back? There's only a betrothal. Why shouldn't she go back to her husband? If the husband shows up, yeah, people will assume. She, people assume there was never a marriage in the first place. So she married the second guy, she divorced him, and now, now she's marrying this guy, and all is good. So that's what he says. That's what he says in the case. So they said, the rabbis say, that in any, ca- any case, it doesn't matter if, the, if he's betrothed wife, the sister, betrothed, he betrothed the sister, or he married the sister, and she went with her brother-in-law, and she came back, and either both cases, the sister is not allowed to go back to her husband, because she committed adultery. But nevertheless, the husband go back to his wife. Abiyasi makes a distinction, and he says, no, if it was a betrothal, if it was a betrothal, when, which then she, the sister can go back to her husband, then he can go back to his wife. So if it was a marriage, we can't go back to, 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 to can, cannot go back to her husband, because people, it'll, it'll, it'll appear to be as if she got a divorce, and then, and then she married, and now you're going back to your husband after you marry someone else. So in that case, you're not allowed. In the case of if he was betrothed to the sister and then he marries the sister, people will say, you know what? He was never betrothed to the sister. He was never betrothed. And that's why he's allowed to marry. And that's a, and that's a, a legitimate marriage. That's a legitimate marriage to the sister. Then when the husband shows up and it was adultery, then in the case where the husband shows up it's adultery then he can't go back to his wife because how could she's not allowed to go back to her husband why can't she go back to her husband it's a mistake Therefore, Rabbi Yaisi makes a differentiation. He says, in the case if his wife is betrothed, so people will think there was a condition, and therefore he was never married, to, so therefore he can marry the sister. But she is allowed to go back to her husband. Why is she allowed to go back to her husband? She's not allowed to go back to her husband. Why is she not allowed to go back to her husband? It's a distinction. In the case where he's married to his wife, and he's married to his wife, so it's a definitely a legitimate marriage. So therefore, you have no right to marry the sister. It was a mistake. So everyone knows that the marriage is not a marriage. So no one will think that the brother-in-law divorced the wife, and then she married... And then if he's returning his divorcee, everyone will know there's no marriage. In that case, it's allowed. In that case, she doesn't become prohibited to her husband. In that case, the husband go back to his wife. But in the case where it was a betrothal, people will assume that the reason he married the sister because in the first marriage was never a marriage. And in that case, she's not allowed to go back. When the husband shows up, the brother-in-law, the husband shows up, and the sister, she's not allowed to go back to him because people will assume that she got a divorce and then she married legitimately and now she's returning a divorcee. In that case, you're not allowed to go back. She becomes prohibited to her husband. He's not allowed to go back to his wife. He doesn't say according to who, which interpretation. We learn 
She's like a married woman. She's not like a married woman. While she's waiting, is considered for Yibum, she's considered like a married woman. Shmuel says she's not considered like a married woman. For example, the argument is regarding the Yavam's brother did a Kiddushin with a woman while she's in Nevrus. He betrothed her. The one who did a Kiddushin, Halachim, didn't say, yeah. He married her, he betrothed her, and then he left. He went overseas. And then the brother-in-law marries this brother's wife. His brother, he thought the brother died, and he, he's doing Yibam. And then the brother returned. And she's like another married woman who remarried. She's prohibited to the Yibam. The first husband... Huna explained the argument that Abba Shmuel in the case with the brother betrothed and then he went and he thought he died and then the brother-in-law married her took her in Yibum and then he shows up so Rab says that she's not allowed to go back to, to, to her first husband who betrothed her to the brother who betrothed her why are going to think that really the husband divorced her and the, the, then the brother married her and is returning, is returning his divorcee after she married because a brother is not allowed to marry his, his sister-in-law even after the brother divorces her. So therefore, everyone will understand that it's not a marriage. As Rab says, he's not allowed, so why, so why can't he go back to her husband? Why not? To her betrothed husband? Because people will think that maybe the betrothal was, was made on a condition. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore the marriage to the brother, the second brother is a legitimate marriage. And then he divorced her, and the first brother is not allowed to marry his, his, his sister-in-law. But if it's in the Suyin, however, in the Suyin, he doesn't worry about it, because people, people don't usually, it's only Edison, people don't make a uh, condition. Shmuel argues, Shmuel says, no, that um, she's allowed to go back to her first husband. People won't think that maybe it was a marriage, or it was conditional, it was, therefore it wasn't a betrothal, and therefore the second marriage is a legitimate marriage, and he's marrying her. People understand that there was a mistake, and therefore you can go back. We're the same. The name of Shmuel, the law follows Rabbi Yaisi. When Shmuel says clearly, we don't worry about the possibility that an observer will assume the first marriage was made in condition and the second one is valid. He's relying on the opinion of Rabbi Yisak Nafka's interpretation. He's following Rabbi Yisak says he's referring to the first case of the Mishnah. He's not referring to the Arab Mishnah. He's referring to those two witnesses or one witness. Maybe, but, or if you want, I'll say, really, he does hold Rabbi Yisak. How do you know that he's saying? He only agrees with Rabbi Yisak in one aspect, that the reason is because of a condition. And if she's married, if she was married, the, the, brother, the husband was married to the first sister, he's allowed, there's no reason. But even in the case where he wasn't married, only betrothal, we disagree with Rabbi Yisak. We say like the rabbi, that we're not worried that maybe people are going to think that really he was divorced, and therefore the second marriage is a marriage. And, um, and, and, and therefore the first husband divorced her. And she said, no, people will understand that there was no marriage and therefore she's not prohibited to her husband and therefore even in that case, even betrothal, and therefore she's, the husband's allowed to go back to the sister, to his wife. Everyone have a good Shabbos.